conversation. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? I am here with Jock, Josh Nicholas. Um, Josh is a pastor at Mountain Valley Fellowship. He is, and I, I see him really as a, a deep thinker in general. He's had a fantastic and incredible uh, a God-glorifying testimony of his life. But, but right now in this stage of life that I know him at, he's very much one that wants to seek a deeper understanding of reality around us. Yeah, and. I would agree. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't want to be disconnected from reality. Yeah. If that's the alternative. No. It, it's, it seems <laughs> to be the alternative. Some people want that. They want to just not exist. They want to be, you know, ignorance is bliss. <clears throat> Somehow they can avoid the harshness of reality until... And we have we have a funny saying. We're just diving into it, Bailey. But we had this saying that um, reality has a funny way of impinging mm. upon our fantasies. Mm. And so we have these fantasies, but then reality comes busting through the door, and you're like, "Whoops, that just <laughs> things don't work that way." So mm. nope. And it's 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 like a. I guess the reason probably is because some people don't see seeing reality as something that's fun or right. or uh, desirable. Yeah. You know, because when you see the truth, mm-hmm. it, it requires something from you. That's absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, um, yeah, it can be uncomfortable and you have to, it, you can't just not deal with what's in front of you. Yeah. It takes work. It takes effort. It always takes something from yourself. Yeah. You exert energy. It takes sacrifice. Um, and you know, anybody can sit down and unplug and watch a movie and play video games and live in this virtual reality. It doesn't mm. take much to do that. Mm. Um, but although the new black ops game looks pretty fun. Yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm not a big gamer anymore. I, I used to be a gamer. Uh, but every time it's call of duty, call of duty gets me something about it. Yeah, yeah. That was my favorite game. But to give people a little backstory on you and I, it seems like yeah. Every conversation we've ever had really has been one of just like yeah shooting it back and forth, you know. It's true because that you know, and you know, to to yeah, just to say, you know, Bailey, I really do <laughs> love that about you, mm. um, man. Obviously, you're a thinker. When I met you, I was like, man, this guy really enjoys he he enjoys using his mind, mm. but he enjoys life, um, and he's not afraid to go for it. I feel like um, you're willing to, yeah, put in that effort to learn and to grow. So you're humble in that way, and um, you don't see these limitations. You you look at life and you say, man, that, you know, that 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 discipline mm-hmm. or that field of study, it, it looks interesting. Let's go for it. And uh, I think that really shows. And now you got this wonderful podcast. We got this crazy thing happening. Got Caleb in the booth. Yes, and, shout um, out Caleb. So yeah, it's I do love talking to you. I really enjoy throwing stuff at you, and and your your feedback is always well. I appreciate it. And I I just think what we're even doing here right now in itself is something of divine essence. Yeah, you know, it's like the fact that we were created to be able to dialogue on a level. That is unlike any other creature in existence. True, is just this fascinating, wonderful thing, and and I believe that might be kind of what these biblical authors often talk about with the you know the the spiritual beings and the angels. Just 
in awe of yeah. what we're doing right here because yeah. I don't know if they're having those same type of interactions that we get to have. Right, right, right. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's almost as if God created this world and um, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and everything in it, um, but he's created us in a way to enjoy it all, to discover it all, to play mm. with it, to touch it, um, to measure it, to understand it, and... Um, yeah. To, well, and not only that, but it's literally our job to yes. do that. Mm. Um, That's back right. Back in Genesis, we were given the job to name all the animals. We were given the job to take care of the earth. He gave us that authority. And so. That's right. I mean, to not have these discussions, to not explore his, his truth and the amazing world around us would yes. be going against our own nature as yeah. creation. And it's, 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 it's exhilarating. Really, mm. whenever you discover something true about, again, any of the disciplines, the sciences, the arts, um, whatever it is, you discover, you discover something new and it just, you get excited about it. And whenever God reveals some truth to you, um, you didn't understand something or you were kind of in the dark and then, boom, the lights are on. Mm. And you're like, whoa. I understand this now. And it's ma- that's a magical like moment too. Yeah. It's like it's that moment of revelation. Yes. Really. It's that moment of uh what what some would call uh enlightenment in, yes. in in a certain field. And this this you know, this is something I was actually thinking about on you know, in terms of looking at creation around us and and really wanting to understand it and play with it and mm-hmm. and interact with it so we were like okay god you made this like what right. what are we supposed to do with it 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 kind of this this conversation might be able to transition into that topic of rise and fall of empires but i was yeah. over actually at this place called uh it's the white creek gardens okay um at on west texas or wet west campus of a&m got it and i was overlooking this little creek mm. and i saw how the the river or the the creek water was flowing through and it would go through the rocks and how that that water seeped into the to the yeah. soil and then plants started to emerge and the sun combined with the yeah. co2 created yeah. oxygen with photosynthesis of and comparing that to how we create as fallen man in this very like metal on metal robotic kind of like this mechanical this kind of very unelegant Mm -hmm. like very Mm -hmm. just kind of cringy yes in, in a sense and just seeing the difference in how we somehow believe right yes. now in society the the overall viewpoint is the way to let's say salvation right a, a, a saving grace is through technology yes. through what we can do in our fallen state by building these things and i would beg to 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 argue that that might be our fall yeah absolutely absolutely and well history's shown it mm. and so the rise and fall of empires there's um i believe the author uh, Gibbons, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. Hmm. Um, one of my favorite authors, um, not him necessarily, but uh, F. W. Borum says that um, Gibbons in his book, The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire, is probably one of the most incredible, um, one of the most exciting mm. pieces of literature he's ever he's ever read. But 
where am I going with this? So that the painting is actually yes. Course of Empires. So so to give people context, give, yeah, in uh, the 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 like pastors' cottages area. Yeah, what the is, what past, is that? we call it the pastor's house. Yeah, the pastor's house. The it, it's it's a church building yes. that that the church owns. There's these four paintings, and it shows five, yep. five paintings, and yeah. it shows the the Roman Empire from from just grass and creation, how it was maybe right. in, in the beginning of time, right. onto this image that I described as oh, this looks like the perfect yeah. the perfect version, which yes. was just like a wooden cabin and some people here and there and a small little campfire yes. going up yes. unto this more, mm-hmm. not industrial revolution, but more of a, a structural empire that we would think of yes. with these white sculptures and buildings. Right, right. And then onto that actually starting to burn down. Right, right. And then, desolation. And then this regrowth of where nobody was there, everything's desolate. Yep. And then there's plants regrowing into their position. Yeah. Yeah. And so the five paintings um, was done over a course of three years. Um, Again, you can look it up. um, And his name will come to me in a minute. (laughs) But um, Course of Empires is the name of the painting series. And uh, Cole is his last name. Mm. Um, And so he, um, what happens is he names it and and what made me think about this was what you were saying with um, what man tends to do is we tend to um, progress. We tend to look mm. at ourselves and say that the term is humanism, but hmm. it's the betterment of man. That's the chief end of man is to better man. Hmm. And that's right? what humanism is. Humanism is this. It's, it's all there is to life is my betterment. All mm. there is to life is to is to um, enjoy it um, and to progress and to grow and to acquire things to make myself happy. Mm. Um, But also in this idea of humanism is this idea that man has within himself um, to create satisfaction, to create happiness. We have what it takes within ourselves, in our mind, to, um, to bring some sort of satisfaction together. And so... What happens is that man begins to build on nature, and mm. and so that's what this uh, this is what the painter Cole he talks about this. Yeah, so there there it is right there. I don't know if you can pull yeah. that up for people to see, uh, Caleb, but uh, yeah, yeah. So there's so, there's that. Yeah. So is is a fundamental part of humanism this idea that humans are the the pinnacle of life itself like there's nothing above that's right a man yeah yeah and nor would they even consider something else higher than themselves uh it is the modern man it is the whatever atheistic man the agnostic Mm. man that that thinking that world view um it's the chief end um of man is to glorify himself Mm. which of course is in direct contradiction to what is true and what the Bible tells us is true and the, what, what, what we're created for, which is the chief in the man is the glorify God. Mm. You know, that's, that's funny. What it made me think of was this like duality with the, the church of Satan or Satanism. They, their belief is that whatever 
creates the most pleasure for yes. the individual yeah. should be the, the prime pursuit of someone's life. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and he and he will. He'll he the, the the demonic in general, um, any sort of the occult. Um, well, even look at um, well, just the materialistic world. Look at marketing. What are they appealing to? Mm. Senses, right? The sensuality of man. Mm. Look at look at mainstream media. Man, look at politics right now. <laughs> you couldn't watch the presidential debate, um, and. I mean, we're not talking about this right now, sure. but I mean, we could, but, uh, it, and Biden we, looks to the camera and he says, America, look in your heart, you know, what's to be true. Right. And so mm. he knows what he's doing. He's trying to appeal to the sensual side of man. Mm. Right. And so, and I think the demonic will also try to appeal to the sensual side of man, um, so that he ignores truth so that he's led by feelings. And also dominated by feelings because the humanistic worldview is saying really all that matters is how you feel. I think that's one of the results of that sort of worldview, that sort of thinking, humanistic thinking is how Mm. I feel is of prime importance. And if you stop making me feel good, I'm breaking up with you. I'm divorcing you. I'm quitting the job, Mm. et cetera, et cetera. I'm moving to a different place. Does it go a step further is how you feel almost how it is? Like to mm-hmm. the humanist, is it like that? Is that his reality? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say so. Yeah. I would say that the the thinking isn't much deeper than that. In some cases, um, is how I feel. What what is what do these circumstances do to, um, yeah, to my life? It's so obviously it's very self centered, um, and you wind up inside yourself. You wind up with uh, being alone. I think, again, the result of that sort of thinking and, and that sort of living is you in this empty room. Mm. And you've, um, again, you think that you have within yourself the things that you need to make yourself happy. Um, mm. And and so, and again, the world revolves around you. And so um, I love how Schaefer says it, but... Um, we all know Atlas, the man that holds the world on his shoulders, right? right? Here, there he is. He's carrying the world, and he uses this illustration. And so, you know, Bailey will say Bailey's in North Africa somewhere in, in, in the desert, the Sahara, and he comes across Atlas carrying the world. Mm. And you look to Atlas, Bailey, and say, what, would you like a hand with that? Can I help you? And that's what he does. He throws the world on your shoulders, and you— you obviously are crushed, right? And so that's what that's what's happening to modern man. Mm. That's what's happening to humanistic man because we legitimately do not have the internal strength. We don't have the intellectual strength. We don't have the goodness within ourselves. We don't have the moral character to 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 basically deal with the world, to deal yeah. with life's pressures, to basically make it happen for ourselves, mm. uh, to meet the needs that are around me. So is the fundamental difference like this idea that inherently man is good and capable of prime good? Like yes. we are capable of progressing to a place of where we only do good. Right. We are here together in this ut- utopian. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's the that's it. That's the idea. Mm. And, and why hasn't it happened? It, exactly. <laughs> and why does history repeat itself? Mm. Well, that that's my next question actually is, Based on your study and, and, and your readings, what is the result of thinking in that manner? If if society begins to make that 
you know, I, I think of the Roman Empire itself, since we're talking about that, is, yes. is a great example of it. What is the result of someone or society at large adopting this humanistic uh, ideology? Yes, I, w- I want to read this this poem to you. I, um, I just was listening a little bit on... Um, the course of empires, the yeah. uh, an interpretation you can do. You can obviously find this on YouTube, but there's an interpretation of this series of paintings. But he he um, Thomas Cole, thank you. Names come comes to me. The painter <laughs> <Great>. Thomas Cole <laughs> that was bothering me. Um, yeah, Thomas Cole had his inspiration from when he went out to Rome and he's looking at the Roman ruins and he begins to um, parallel uh, the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. And I would assume that he probably read that that book. And he begins to parallel that with American society. Mm. At this time, Alan Jackson, Alan Jackson, the country singer, Alec Jackson, <laughs> Andrew Jackson. Um, <laughs> Andrew Jackson is president, and um, mm. there's this idea of progressivism and modernization of America, and let's move out west, et cetera, et cetera. All that's starting to happen in America. So he is starting to look at Rome and what's happened to this, the most powerful empire that's been on the face of the earth, Mm. right? And he starts to compare it to what's happening in America back whenever that was, 1840s, 50s. Wow. Don't fact check me on that or fact check me on that, but But 1840s. a significant time back. (laughs) Yes. But this is one of the quotes that he uses. It's kind of an inspiration. He says, there's the moral of all human of all human tales. Tis but the same rehearsal of the past. Mm. First freedom and then glory. When that fails, wealth, vice, corruption. Barbarism at last and history with all her volumes vast hath but one page. Mm. So this cycle, right? Um, wealth, vice, corruption, then barbarian, barbarianism at last. Mm. Um, and so history has but one page. I think that's something C.S. Lewis actually touches on in his, uh, I forget. I think this might be in mere Christianity or the great divorce, maybe Mm -hmm. where he talks about this, uh, what happens in a godless society. Like when you Mm -hmm. disconnect from the source, this, fall every there will be this fall right there's always this destruct destruction you're you're taking out from under you this the base of what keeps us humane absolutely absolutely that i mean i love how you said that but they are you're taking out the base Hmm. um you could also use the illustration of a framework right every home has a foundation um, every home has um, weight-bearing um, beams in the home that are carrying most of the weight right. of the roof, right? And that is um, the fabric, the foundation of society. And we, mm. we believe as Christians absolute truth. Now, the issues that we're having today, this is such a big deal, <laughs> but the problems we're having today is that everything is relative <clears throat> mm. to what you believe or what you feel to be true in that moment. Um, you know, the modern man, um, the general population, the non-believing, the non-Christian population is saying mm. there no, there are no absolute truths. 
There is no unity in knowledge. Do you know where that idea itself comes from? Um, I should because I, <clears throat> I was just studying this. Um, but I believe in general it, it goes back to the early philosophers, mm. um, Kant, Kierkegaard, Hegel. These yeah. guys started to basically separate um and, and Schaefer really gets into this. If you're looking for a great read, you're looking for just something that's going to really uh, whet your appetite <laughs> and make you more hungry sure. for these sorts of um, uh, ideas, um, The God Who Is There mm. is an incredible book. And you could couple it with Escape from Reason. Both books are incredible, Francis Schaefer. But he talks about this, this view that starts to come up, this worldview, pre-1300s. Whenever I said salvation, or if I said um, God is good, mm. we all would have an idea and an understanding that that is true. And you, I would know what you meant by that, and you would know what I meant by that. Now, in this modern age, we may mean totally different things. Mm. Um, and so what that means is that um, this idea of grace, he calls it, is above um, nature, right? So if there was a line, grace on top, nature on bottom, he calls it the upper story, the lower story. So Schaefer talks about grace, and that's like um, we're talking about heaven, we're talking about salvation, we're talking about spiritual things, sin would be in that, um, the mystical, that sort of thing. That That is, you know, that, that comprises this idea of the grace. Below that, the lower story is nature. That's that's man in his carnal sense, in, in the physical world. Um, it, things that are mechanical. Mm. A plus B equals C, right? And so man started, we started, the philosophers started to separate those two mm. um, and begin to say that, and the term is autonomous, mm. but man began to think separately um, between the two between concepts. the two right so, so originally it was this idea of these things are intertwined right you cannot have one without the other right and you could understand grace you could understand mm. and and yeah you could understand the things of god and and all true revelation comes from god and that's the important part is that um god created mm. us to receive guidance and truth and understanding from him. Again, the world is his. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, right? And so we, we up to that, whenever that was, the 1300s, we, we you know, any kind of development, any type of um, new invention, et cetera, would have been a revelation. Mm. And that would have come from God and we or would have understood that, it wasn't man that found it within himself. We mm. took something from God, we studied it, and then we had this incredible invention. But what man started to do was to separate that, and he began to think of himself as this incredible thinker, and that in his own rationalistic mind, he had all the answers to the universe, that he had all the answers to life, mm. to death. Right. And so the big questions that we have in life, um, you know, death in general, the purpose of life, those sorts of things, man had an answer for that apart from God, separate from God. Mm. And so that that basically um, is sort of probably where we get this idea of relativism. Sure. Yeah. And so we just sept totally we totally turn our back on God. And, and I would love to 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 come back to this this 
this current issue, which is uh, objective reality and, yes. and subjective reality that you're touching on about kind of being the the chief uh, issue of our day. Right. Um, because when you have relative relativism, you can kind of just determine for yourself what is right and wrong. Yes. And with uh, the Christian belief, which is an objective standard mm -hmm. of truth, mm -hmm. it, it is set in stone already what is right and wrong. And, and to differ from that is called sin. Yes. Um, but I, I would like to touch on what you're talking about right now, which is this, these philosophers thinking. Mm -hmm. and, and you had mentioned before how simultaneously as you see uh, empires falling or beginning to fall or, or the structure uh, beginning to, to ripple and, and to shake, uh, these philosophers are right there predicting it and they see it first. Yes, they do. But also this kind of duality in that or this uh, uh, contradiction or, or uh, not contradiction, but uh, uh, I, uh, what is the word? Uh, irony yes. that they're perpetuating the fall yes. of, of the society. Can you, can you kind of go into that a little bit? Yeah. So um, there, Schaefer does a great little diagram and he talks about, um, this line of despair mm. and the line of despair was any hope of man being able to have any unity and knowledge, um, basically unity and knowledge, meaning, um, we all can agree on a truth an absolute truth. So what's true for me is true for you is true for the, anyone in China, Africa, wherever in the world. Sure. And that, um, there's this this unity that's happening there because there's one absolute truth. The line of despair is that the modern man gave up hope at all of ever agreeing mm. on any sort of unanimous unifying truth, right? So again, modern man has already walked away from God and began to think within himself that he has the answers, but then given up all hope of ever being on the same page with anyone else. Mm. And so the philosophers... The philosophers are incredible. They're deep thinkers. Um, what we're doing right now is philosophizing, I guess. Um, and we're talking about the questions. Um, and we're asking questions behind questions and the reason why. Sure. Um, and so the philosopher, as Schaefer would say, um, these predominant ideas, these worldviews um, from atheism, to humanism, to the way basically worldview being a lens at which you look at the world. Sure. Worldview being a lens at which you make your decisions every day. You're not always aware that that worldview is influencing your choices, but the way you think, the way you think about God, the way you think mm. about truth, the way you think about yourself uh, as you exist in this world and brush up against it, mm. whether you're the center of reality or the center of the universe or mm. you're not, all of that is worldview in which you make decisions. It influences the way you make decisions, right? Which is so, which is so crazy because we're we're in this place right now in America, at least, where worldview is not. It is seen as something that is not of chief importance to be synced, synchronized. Yes. In. While what you're kind of saying here, and, and what I feel is that worldview is the chief determining factor for how we make our decisions mm -hmm. and why we make certain decisions. That's absolutely right. Which is like, 
we need to probably take that a little more serious. Like, why do we see things the way we see things? And, uh, and does that cause us to move in one direction or the other, meaning to destruction or to prosperity? Right, right. And I think, well, we could, we could all learn to, we could all learn from the philosopher to actually ask questions Mm. and to think deeply. Um, we could all begin to, you know, exactly what you're saying, ask why, and, um, not, not take whatever mainstream media is telling us is true is uh, is absolute truth. Sure. Whether we, we realize we're doing that or not, um, we have a very simple way of thinking and, or we just don't tend to care. We're, we're lazy. We're mm. lazy in our thinking. And so there's not a lot of depth there. Um, you could call it the Google generation. Mm-hmm. Um, some men that, that, that we enjoy, they, they, they talk about the Google generation. And um, you can just type in a question and Google gives you the answer, right? And So where's the credibility there? Sure. Where's the work that's gone in um, to, to discover that answer? And so it it basically are the modern age right now the the current generation is is standing in two inches of water. Mm. There's just no depth in our thinking. So it's kind of created this um, very mm. shallow sort of thinking without absolute truths and with this pride with that this, we know a lot and everything in a sense. Maybe so, or I would say I don't don't really care to know a whole lot mm. because it's being reinforced. The way I'm living is being reinforced by this humanistic idea. I don't really care. Mm. Um, even if the decisions I'm making is ruining my life or anyone else's, just as long as my momentary happiness is being satisfied by this immediate gratification, whatever that is, fast food, fast entertainment, movies, et cetera, et cetera, it just doesn't matter. Mm. There is no forethought. And you can't ignore because you never have to turn the noise off. No. It's at a you click can of a button. Have it absolutely, and you can go comfortably numb your entire life, mm. satisfying the sensual side of you, which the enemy, the devil. Well, it's not even bringing the devil at all. We'll just say the world in general is happy to to make money off of your your appetite Addiction. to be to be easily satisfied. Mm. Well, and I think you spoke of pride, Bailey. I think that's where the pride comes in, mm. where. I can satisfy myself. I can have all of my needs met by myself and I can do whatever I want to and need to because Mm -hmm. I'm all that matters. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. pride and that is exactly what we're seeing today. Mm. Well, Mm -hmm. to your point, Caleb, I think the question is Mm -hmm. that many would ask is why not? (laughs) Why not? Why can't I satisfy myself? Right, right. Why can't I be satisfied with what's in this room like you referred to earlier? Why can't I be satisfied with my own achievements, mm. uh, my own thoughts? Why can't I determine these things for myself? Right, right. So why, why, basically, why isn't man the center of the universe? Mm. And, and why do we need God? And why do we need God? Absolutely. And so I think that ultimately just comes back to the reality is it's just not true. Mm. It's not true. And anyone that's lived long enough (laughs) will start to notice that if you, again, put yourself at the center of the universe and you act as if your opinion, your feelings, your choices is the only thing that matters, you play that out, project that out logically, Mm. project out the result of all of those choices. You will be alone. 
Mm. You'll be depressed. That's why we have such an increase, um, an increase in mental mm. drugs and the need for psychologists, um, the need for medicine. Right. Man cannot get alone with himself. Get along with himself. <laughs> well, and on a grander scale, we see, like you, we were talking about with Rome, we see mm. everyone doing what was right in their own eyes. Absolutely. We see the rise of um, of sexual immorality. We see the rise of um, all mm. of these things that go against the will of God, and then Rome fell apart. Absolutely. It was a very simple mm -hmm. cause, causing factor, yep. and we see evidence of those things happening to us in our society right now, yep. whether we want to ignore them or not. And that's what Thomas Cole was trying to paint. Mm. And that's what he saw when he went out to Rome. He, he, he knew this to be happening in America. And he saw it in knowing his history of Rome. He saw this is what they did. This nation, um, they had this idea, Rome had this idea, this humanistic idea that the betterment of Rome, mm. the betterment of its people, uh, this, uh, this idea that we're going to make for ourselves a great nation and we're going to rise above anything and everyone else and we don't need God to do it. And so there you have it. You have, you have one that had the ability, the resources, the manpower, the strength to begin to take over the world. They legitimately had the ability to play out that idea. They took that worldview. Man is at the center, and no one stopped them. Mm. And that was the result, the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. So, it all collapsed. It imploded on itself. So what was the causative factor that made it implode on itself? Like, if everything was going great, if they had all of those resources behind them, mm -hmm. why did it fall in on itself? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, back to a more philosophical answer, but man does not have the goodness, the Ooh. strength, um, the love, the wisdom within himself um, to govern himself. Mm. to manage himself, even to rule himself. Do you think we, we just always end in selfish motives, like this idea of yes, you take from me, I take back from you. You hurt me, I hurt you yes. back. Be, it's almost like, you know, y you touched on this, uh, this humanistic thinking. So, so humans... Man, as in human, mankind, mm -hmm. not as in man, woman, but mankind, is the highest level of consciousness mm -hmm. there is in existence. Mm -hmm. So, so this idea and thought process almost itself will leave you desolate, will mm -hmm. leave you lacking because once you see, okay, the the top alpha of your society. You see all the bad parts about him, and you mm -hmm. understand all the bad parts about you, even if you don't see it or not, but you'll you'll feel the results of it. Yes. It almost leaves you with like, okay, what is the purpose? Mm -hmm. If there's no outside of this, mm -hmm. then what is the purpose? Like, I feel like the reason, you know, beautiful landscapes have purpose mm -hmm. And why they're beautiful is because we get to observe it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's like, w what gives us purpose? I feel like it has to be some type of outside force and observer. Yeah. yeah. So um, this is good. I'm loving what, that we're talking about this because this is stretching me. But 
Schaefer talks about for finite man, mm. and by finite we mean limited, limited understanding, limited in strength, limited in, in ability. Finite man needs an infinite um, reference point for there to be any sort of understanding, mm. any sort of realization um, to his world. If man is left to himself without an infinite, right, an infinite reference point with infinite power, right? I'm not using the word God, but I'm sure. saying infinite power, infinite love, infinite strength. If man is left to his finite self, it um, it's as if a man was in a, in a dark room. And this is what Schaefer called the line of despair. Again, the philosophers, they crossed under this line of despair because he says that they imagine a dark room. Mm totally pitch dark and he can't see a thing he's in the center of the room and he he can't find a way out he's looking for an answer he's within himself Mm. he's looking for an infinite reference point but he wouldn't say it's infinite because he thinks within himself he has the answer so here he is he's caught in this black room with no exit and he's he makes his way as far as he can he fills the walls right and then he works his way around the perimeter there is no exit there is no exit. There's no exit for finite man. And then that's what he calls the line of despair. Mm. He said that once the, the philosophers of the day, underst- they, they saw that, that there was no, there was no, for them, no infinite reference point. There was no answer outside of themselves. There was, they were in this black room. They fell below this line of despair and they gave up any sort of, um, truth any sort of unifying knowledge any sort of hope at all and then this pessimistic age begins mm. right this very pessimistic negative thinking there's just no hope and they're leading the the, the ideas and the thought patterns oh yeah philosophy is always driving the um culture popular culture it is whether we realize it or not and we can get into that, but that, that Schaefer talks about the levels of it's it's philosopher first, and then the arts tend to be the ones that are are, are affected first. The artists, right? They 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 for whatever reason it would be a good study, and maybe yeah. we can look into it. But why sure. is the artist the first one to be touched by the new philosophy? Then it's music, right? So if it were these, you know, mm-hmm. levels, right? So the philosopher, then then the artist, then the musician. And then modern culture, right? So mm. these these disciplines, these these different areas of society, um, are systematically not systematically, but in sequence. Sure, they're being affected. Then the last one, the last one to catch up to the philosophy of the day are the theologians. Mm. And Schaefer has a really good answer to that. But um, so yeah, it's um, it's because they ignore it. Well, and and again, I, I'm just kind of reading a lot of this. So the, a lot of these ideas are are, are new to me, and and, and studying oh, the so history is it, of is it. Is it the theologians start to adopt? Well, the, the theologians ideas? start to realize that they don't understand the the, the current generation. Mm. Um, and Schaefer, one of the reasons I think Schaefer's the point he's making is that um, the majority of the church at large, we'll we'll say in the West even. Um, the majority of the churchgoers are middle class, maybe upper middle class. And he says that when you look at philosophy, philosophy is um, the philosophy of the day is first adopted by the, the highly intellectual, mm. um, the rich, the elite, um, the ones that 
what either have the time to study, the means at which to study, and to can, go to those universities. It yes. can benefit from yes that the, that f- philosophical understanding. Right. They're the because ones when that you are touched under, first. You understand how society is thinking or you understand all oh, these principles of human nature at large mm-hmm. or the nature of creation or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. you begin, oh, I, I can change this here. Mm-hmm. I can start to move things around. So that was that was my next question is when we when we dive into what we're seeing right now in 2020. Yes. I, is it is it uh, is it the same thing that we're seeing? Mm-hmm. Why do we ignore the history? Is it because we don't know it, I, or is it just because we're we're so veiled by this deception? Mm-hmm. Is it because there's actually people that are manipulating this mm-hmm. uh, these ideas in order to benefit themselves? Or I, I'm sure it's a lot of those things simultaneously. Yes, yes. But it just seems like we know these things. It, it, we're we're talking about it. It seems very obvious to us. Yeah. Like okay, we're moving in a bad direction right now. Mm-hmm. Humanistic ideas, this this where it stops at humans leaves us desolate. Yes, leaves us depraved, which will cause us to instinctually, I guess, mm. act more like animals. Yeah, where we're only caring about the things or the people around us or whatever mm-hmm. the people that look like us, whatever it is, and and then this I loving your neighbor thing yeah. kind of just goes out the window because it's yeah. like. When I am when it when I'm the thing that matters, mm-hmm. why does he like how does he matter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Am I my brother's keeper? Mm. Again, it's it's Christianity that's always given the right and appropriate answer to this. Um and and so to I think to answer your question, why isn't the current generation um aware of these things? Why is it that history has to repeat itself why is it that as that quote says it, there's one page of history right vice leading to destruction mm-hmm. leading to to barbarianism i think maybe one of the reasons for it is um that and we talk to students on campus all mm-hmm. the time and um there there just seems to be this um yeah lack of care lack yeah, of concern yeah. And as as long as I have what I need, um, and well, I even I even see the sorry for interrupting. I, yeah, I even see that in in a lot of older people right now. Right, where they're kind of they're they're sitting in this middle class area. Yes, you know they may be cultural Christians or whatever they want to call themselves, mm-hmm. and, and they're outside of this. You know whatever riots are going on, they're mm-hmm. watching it on the news and seeing it, mm. and it's almost. The depra- depravity. It's this lack mm-hmm. of understanding of God's truth. Yes. Of, of God's uh, of God's promises. Yes. And, and lack of trust, really. Yeah. In, in that God is the thing, the person, mm-hmm. the the causative factor that will yes release the tension in this cycle. Right. And it seems like they're like, we just have no hope. It's this loss of hope. This this mm-hmm. tr- lack of trust come causatively causes a lack of hope and it's this well i don't really like it's like this i see i see that this is happening yeah but i don't really care to tell anyone it's like also like yeah i know jesus is the savior but that's not for me to tell someone right 
it's it's this weird realm of uh, in yeah. between that's almost worse than being yeah. at the lowest point. Yeah. Well, I think I think there's t- two things happening. Um, and and Schaefer mentions the the impact that the philosophy the philosophy the philosophers of the day yeah. and the arts and music the mainstream media etc the impact that they have mm. on on culture it's 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 all over it's in the TVs it's on the computers it's on the um uh, the billboards etc you're we're being inundated by a worldview mm. You're and a being, lot of times it's dialed in. It's like, oh, let's figure out exactly yes. how to get. Yes, yes. Get and it there. says, it says, what feels good, do it. Mm. Right? What makes you happy, you deserve this. Right? Mm. Look at the marketing. Right? And so it, the subliminal messages, messages are there, is that there is an absolute truth. And if there is, the only truth that matters is your truth, mm. your happiness. And so that is coming at all angles to this society. And the worst part about it is we've removed God altogether. Right. We've removed the Bible altogether. So the Bible, apparently, uh, we've just discovered there was a survey by um, um, Barnum, Barnum uh, Studies and Institute, yeah. or um, yeah. They they did a study that the number of the biblical literates literacy the biblical literacy within churches is um, um, incredibly down. I think within church goers, mm. um, something like maybe fifteen twenty percent have ever read the entire Bible. Um, they said amongst college students that almost an equal number um, will actually have read the Bible, read through the Bible before they graduate college. So the biblical literacy rate is dropping incredibly. And again, what we're talking about is absolute truth. We're talking about a truth um, that can can help you navigate mm. through a world that has all of these crazy ideas, right? It's the glasses. It's the glasses, yeah. The Bible's trying to give you a lens at which to look through mm. um, to help you make decisions, but we're removing the Bible, we're removing God. The conversation about God is being left. We're removing the ability to see reality for what it actually is. For what it actually is. So when you walk into a room, you you no longer are walking into a room with a sturdy foundation, mm. uh, with weight-bearing um, um, beams and a, and a roof that's holding up. It's all crumbling down. On top of that, you've got you've got the mainstream media. You got all these people just pumping in these crazy ideas Mm -hmm. and so you're like a sheep a sheep you're like a ship tossed on the sea blown back Mm -hmm. and forth it's an incredible war tactic yeah yeah (laughs) it's like how do you expect to be able to agree on anything if you the 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 facts aren't the same no yeah just that i mean mm. Well, this is what we see with this is what we see with politics today. It used to be that the right and the left um, had different solutions, but they agreed on the (coughs) problem. So Mm. they could come together, and there was less um, chaos and division because they could, at the very least, agree Mm. on the problem. But now it's like the right has its own problem the left has its own problem they can't even agree on that and so it's just creating more and more division yeah it's a genius scheme it is and this is um and our friend winky pratney again if i'm throwing out authors and, and books but write he, them down write them down get your notes out yes for this read one. everything if you don't um, have your notes out already 
get them out yeah, for this yeah. one, this conversation. So these cameras are on. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So look for Youth of Flame by Winky Pratney. And he, um, he makes a point in one of those chapters. Um, the entire book is an incredible book. Um, but it, he talks about basically the answer to world peace, right? What's mm. the, what's the solution here? And we of course would say God, but let's right. not use that word. And sure. let's say, um, a common knowledge, mm. a unifying knowledge or mm. an absolute truth at which to judge us. Right, at which to guide us, at which to manage us, and on top of that, common a common a common truth, a common knowledge. We'll say common knowledge, and I believe he he uses the term um, um, common unselfishness mm. or love. Mm. If if love being the ability to choose um, what's right, the mm. the ability to be unselfish toward your neighbor. The, uh, to choose the, their well-being yes, of your own. Yes, yes. Treat others as you would be, you would like to be treated. And so, if you had that common knowledge, that absolute truth, mm. and you also had the ability to love unselfishly, then maybe we would have world peace, and maybe we would have an answer. Um, so we're not willing to do that. No, we're not. That's my. I guess that's my big question: is like, are we doomed? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we are. And is Christ it, is coming back. Well, and it's okay. Gonna so burn. a lot of Christians will say it's bad to have that mindset. Um, it is pessimistic. There's hope because Christ has risen from the grave. There's but, hope because mm. you, Bailey, and I, and Caleb, and everyone else watching, if you trust in Jesus and you've been born again, you what you're saying is I have a common knowledge, a common mm. understanding. Right, and this is why we're here, sure. really. This is why we like each other. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't spend a lot of time together, yeah. but we're on the same page here. Why? Because we read the same pages, we read mm. the same Bible, and we also understand it takes love to to, to be mm. friends. It takes yeah. love uh, to get along in a family. Because we takes can love. Because because yeah. we're both a, like pretty knowledgeable people, and yeah. and I'm younger than you, but you're still yeah. a pretty young dude. Yeah, thank and, you. <laughs> and good looking too. You said that about okay, yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep it, keep it. Stop. No, um, but uh, we could both be pretty arrogant towards each other. We could if we chose. Yeah, you know. But it's this that we we have this common knowledge, like uh, to use that vocabulary. This common mm. knowledge that it is of my. It is of. It's it's kind of comes back to a selfish thing a little mm. bit. Is it's of my interest. Mm to treat you better than myself yes and, and to love you above myself yes because i have this synced up understanding that that is what my creator mm. would like of me in order to be a part of his eternal kingdom yes so it's this eternal mindset mm. that allows us to come together in a loving way because Almost, if if you took out the eternal, mm -hmm. then the right now is all that matters. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have something better to look right. forward to. I don't have a reason to love you, right? Because there's no reward. Yes, you know, there's no this. There's no promise mm -hmm. that that I will be um, rewarded justly for treating you. And the funny thing is, with that internal thing, there is right now benefits that come through it, like genuine relationships, but. I think more than anything, something that I really felt at Mountain Valley, you mm -hmm. know, with all you guys is, is this eternal understanding. I don't mm -hmm. want to be mean to this guy yeah. or, or, or uh, maybe mean is the wrong word, but I don't want to be, 
I don't want to attack this person because right. I'm going to know them forever. It's not like I'm just going to know them and then, you yeah. know, we're going to split off. It's like, we're going to be in relation forever. That's right. That's right. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, I think, you know, yeah. And that's the, again, that's the answer for the answer for the modern man, the, 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 the relevant relativistic thinker, mm. the man that doesn't believe in God is that you, again, they're, they're in time you'll find in, cause we would call it rationalism, but mm. really it's man trying to come up with an answer without going to God. Basically, again, you need an infinite reference point. You need an infinite mind to give an answer to what's happening mm. right now. Uh, because man just does not have what it takes. We don't have it in us. Um, we ha- we were built to know our maker. We were built to know God. And so the modern man needs to understand the uh, you know whoever whoever's listening right now you're you're ignoring god legitimately is your downfall mm-hmm. he has the answers you don't have the answers within yourself and if you'll when you live long enough and you'll think about it long enough this is the thing again <clears throat> okay another book <laughs> i'm reading tolstoy yeah leo tolstoy he was a writer and um War and Peace, um, and just incredible, incredible, incredible writings. But was in Russia um, during the Soviet era and socialism. But he wrote a, an autobiography called Confessions, and that was his thinking. He was um, he would say his worldview was progressivism, mm. but we're saying humanism. It, mm. It's the betterment of man, and man has within himself the ability to think and give himself an answer to all of life's problems mm-hmm. and all of life's issues right and the betterment of man and happiness and materialism all that stuff you know but he got Tolstoy got to the point where there was no answer to death for him death was the final reality mm. life was ate up by death life was dominated by death what's the point right right there's no god there's no infinity there's no life after death. There's no there's no uh, consciousness of life after death. You just don't exist. Whatever you want to fill in the blank, life after death, death wins. Hmm. We're thinking, think very rationalistically right now. Sure. Think very logically about this. If there is no God, right? If there is no infinite answer to the finite issue, you are going to die. Death has the final say. It's going to happen. You're not. No man has made a pill that makes you live forever, not physically, mm. right? So it's coming. So why do we, Leo Tolstoy? He said this, but he basically is like, "What's the point with living anymore? Mm. Life mm. is a cruel joke." Mm. I, um, the people I love, my wife, my kids, the tears I cry, the love that we make, the the, the sacrifices I make for them for what? Life is a cruel joke. It's going to strip it. Life's going to, death is going to strip it from me anyways. Yeah. You see that? Like Mm. that is the logical progression of your living without a God. Mm. That's it. And you should just go ahead and kill yourself because it's going to be much more difficult later down in life Mm. when you've fallen in love, when you've invested in life. Right, it's just a cruel joke. It's like the carrot in front of the donkey, like a little bit more and just get a little bit further, a little bit further, and you're exhausted and you're spent. And there is no tangible, there is no resolution. Resolution. There is no answer that satisfies that deep longing in your heart for the infinitude, for the infinite. Mm. And it can never be found because we take a big chunk out of the equation. Yeah. 
solve it, but don't use this, no. you know, key. Yeah, and it's, it's pessimistic, and it's terrible, yeah. and it's depressing. And, yeah, it would drive you to insanity and to kill yourself. That 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 actually should happen. And I, th- I think most of us in, in the world are living in that reality. Yeah. We really are. And so in that, that is exactly why the biblical narrative yes. and truth of the scriptures is so transformative mm. because you're literally solving that mm. fundamental issue of death having the last say. Yes. yes. You see it in Genesis. You open up your Bible, mm-hmm. you open up a Bible, mm-hmm. the first book that's in there will you can literally derive the entire meaning of of the the whole narrative of the Bible at large from that fir- second chapter, yes, which is uh, Jesus will come. There will be a seed mm-hmm. that is going to come and defeat death for good. The curse is of death. Yes, that is the the worst part of the curse that has mm-hmm, happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there will be someone that comes from this line. Yes. That's why there's all the you know the the yes. the, the chronologies yeah, because genealogy, yeah. genealogies because you they want to make an accurate they wanted to create this historical reference yes. so that you could see mm-hmm. where Jesus came from and that we can make sure of it. It's not just a random belief. It's not right. just this. Oh, well, I hope that Christianity is right. It's no. It's histor- historically documented. Yes, that yes. is true. Yes, absolutely. And and that is what makes it so revolutionary, really, makes it so transformative, is that it solves that problem that every th- great thinker has yes. always run into, is that the meaninglessness of mm-hmm. life, if it ends with death having yeah. the final word. Yes, absolutely. And to tag on to it, the, the infinite... And for Tolstoy, we'll use him because I think he's you know a good example of the sort of thinker that we're talking about. Mm. But um, the infinite was the only place for him that could give him an answer. But again, this is a rational thinker. This is someone who doesn't believe in God, and faith to him isn't rational. <laughs> it doesn't right. make sense, right? It's not O equals O for you know, or A equals A. Right. I actually I want to stop you there. I want to touch on that because I think many times why faith in its definition mm-hmm. is not thought of as a rational belief is because it's been misdefined. Yes. As this like you know random like oh I just have to have faith in something invisible mm-hmm. but the biblical authors never described faith as that way. It was an active lifting up of this trustworthiness. So like faith in the Bible is to count as trustworthy. Yes. Like it's, I've seen what you've done. Mm-hmm. I've seen your faithfulness. You have given me your promise. And that is what I'm putting my faith in. Like Josh, mm-hmm. I would not put my faith in you. No. That you were going to show up to another podcast if you didn't show up to this one. That's right. Yep. You know? Yep. And so they're there and we're built, we're built in such a way to experience God. Right. I did this thing a while back called the feedback loop of faith. Mm. Um, and if there was a feedback loop, right. And you're at the top and it starts with some knowledge of God mm. and then it rolls around to, you see this truth and you obey it, you act on it. Right. Mm. And so you hear that, you hear that, um, 
God blesses those that diligently seek him, right? He reveals sure. himself to those who diligently seek him. It says that in the Bible. Mm. And so you begin to seek him. You begin to look in the Bible. You begin to seek for answers. You're obedient. That obedience is met with an experience. That obedience, and not to be so subjective, but that it's true, that obedience is met with some sort of an experience that you're like, wow, I just had this revelation. It was actually good for me to to seek God. And mm-hmm. also, it gave me answers to the questions that I'm asking about myself, about purpose, about life. Why am I sad, depressed? Why do things die, et cetera? Whatever right. it is you're looking for, you begin to get answers. And so that experience throws you into this this trust. You're like, wow, that mm-hmm. that worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this works. And and you say I, I, it builds a confidence. That trust is built. It builds a confidence. Sure. And it throws you back up to the top, and you're like, man, I need more of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me go read a little bit more. Let so it's not only this historical trust, right? But this active trust that is built yes. through a real divine interaction between you and God. That you get to have. You get to mm-hmm. love God with your mind. You get to use the mind that God gave you to be rational, right? And to to read, to think about it, to mm-hmm. apply it. I mean, we use it all the time. Like, I, so I do. We do this fitness thing, right, with our interns, yeah. and we're, you know, some are trying to lose weight, some are trying to gain weight and muscle mass, etc. Um, but there's a plan, mm-hmm. and I, I, I have a plan, and I tell them the plan, and I write it out, and I say, okay, here's the plan. Are they going to lose weight by reading the plan, <laughs> by no. looking at the plan? No. Yeah. They have to actually apply it. There has to be an obedience. There has to be an application. And then they start to see some success, and they get a little more confident, right? And mm. so we do this all the time. And so um, I forgot who said it, but it's not that God has been tested and left wanting. It's that we've not tested him, and we're left wanting. Mm. That's the issue. People are not going to God. We're not looking to him. We're not We're not proving. He says, prove me. Test me on my promises. Try it. He actually says it in the scriptures. Right. He goes, I'm faithful. If you'll just do it, you'll see it. Right? The Bible says, taste, then what? Then see. Mm. It doesn't say see, then taste. Right? And that's what we want. We want to have the experience. Again, it's the fast food generation. It's the sensual generation. We want all the perks, the fruits, without the action. Mm. We want all of the feel-goods without the, 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 the risk and the, the – the, 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 not necessarily the risk, but the, the work and the effort it takes to get there. It's the – I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. I've never seen him. I, I've never experienced that, so I'm yeah. not going to try. He can come get me. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. It's, it's, like, it's, it's taste bitterness. and see. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we see this with the, you know, the father-son relationship a lot, or the father-daughter relationship is, is I, I'm not, exp- like, I, I didn't, they didn't come to me first, yeah. so I'm never, in what I, what I found even with my relationship with my dad is the act of forgiveness mm-hmm. and the act of saying, you know, maybe they didn't come to me the way that I, I, I think a father should, or maybe yes. my mother didn't come to me in the way yes. I think a mom should, yeah. but I'm going to come to them in a way that I know that a, a son that has been transformed should. Mm, mm. And I've seen this countless of times, not only in my life, but in other people's lives and the stories of transform transformation that happens because a, uh, a child, someone's, kid someone's offspring Mm -hmm. made a decision to not 
return what they've been given mm. and it transformed their parents life their heart yes and pushed them towards god mm. and, and towards a, a gift that you can only give through sacrifice yes like yes. you're not pointing anybody to god by not ever sacrificing anything yeah like you're not going to have a satisfying life without sacrificing anything mm. and i think that's the inherent issue is like exactly what you're talking about it's this unwillingness to take a step of action unless someone's done something for us first mm, mm-hmm. it's this almost like sense of entitlement exactly yeah yeah it's it's difficult too because and if we can kind of shift to the to sure. the, the type of christian that um is probably more common here in college station or in in the bible belt but it's the type of person that um, has grown up in church. They've been around these truths, right? They've heard the pastor preach. Um, they've their mom and dad were great church goers, mm-hmm. and they were Christian, and they had a faith um, that they had to work through. We'll, we'll give them that. We'll say that their parents actually had a faith that was their own, mm-hmm. um, but it never it never transferred. Um, but what happened was the child because he basically. He thought by being in proximity to the parent that he was a Christian. He thought mm-hmm. that that was enough or that he knew the Bible promises. Having some sort of knowledge equated to uh, salvation yeah, and or I equated think, to not walking yeah. with God. And I think a lot of times we think of that, when we think of this scenario, we mm-hmm. think of it as an active thing. Mm-hmm. Like this kid or person, right, mm-hmm. actively was like, well, this is what Christianity is. It's no, they've been brought into that. Yes. It's it's that is what they know. It's the water they've it. swam yeah, exactly. in their entire life. And so they're around it, but it was their faith was lived vicariously through their parents or mm. through their youth pastor or the culture around them in general. Everybody's going to church, my friends go to youth group on Wednesday night, etc. So that's just what we do. So yeah. there was never a personal choice and adherence to the truth to say no, this is what I believe in. And so and this is why I'm in college ministry, Bailey, <laughs> is that um, cuz I see this so often amongst college students cuz I feel like it's the last chance. Yeah. Um, they've left their homes and now they're there on campus and they have a choice to make. Are they going to take their parents' faith? Are they going to take the the Bible and the truth there? And are they going to say, no, I believe this for myself, and I'm going to work mm. this out for myself, and I'm going to appropriate this to my life, mm. um, and it's going to be mine. I'm not going to live vicariously through my parents anymore because what's on, this is the deal, um, and this is a big deal. This is a really big deal, and we have this conversation a lot on campus. Um, there's a gap between what we what we know about God and then what we practice there's a great big gap there christianity exists in the practice not in what you know you can know the gospel story and i ask tons of people and they tell me yes mm. you know i know the gospel story and they could even quote some verses um, but there is no application in their life there's no fruit of it there's no practice and so there's no what I call true spirituality, or what Schaefer calls true spirituality. There's no spiritual reality there. Mm. It's not real, not inwardly. And they can even they can even have a form of it. They go to church, right? You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's religion. It's religiosity. You go to church. Uh, you even use the language. You wear the cross, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but inwardly, 
there's no love for God. Mm. There's no pursuit of Him. Well, that's my that's my biggest question. Then are are we as the Western congregation, right? As the Western gathering of believers or the Western church structure that we have, are we actually teaching people the truth, mm. which translates to this lens of reality that we're talking about? Like, because mm. I feel like the change only happens when we hear and know the truth and adopt that truth. So mm. what if we're not hearing it? What if we're hearing come to church, mm. do mm. these things, and that is what a good Christian does. And yeah, yeah and, and Jesus, you know, he died on the cross and all that mm-hmm. stuff, but mm-hmm. but what if we're not told mm-hmm. why that's important or what yeah. that even means? You know, I think yeah. maybe the lack of truth mm-hmm. that is being, because truth is harsh. Truth turns people away. Yeah. Truth does not necessarily build big churches. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Like Shapiro <laughs> says, facts don't care about your feelings. Right. <laughs> truth doesn't care about your feelings. I mean, it does. Jesus cares about your feelings. Sure. Let me say that. But truth is truth, and it exists whether you like it or not, mm. right? And so, um, but I, 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 I'll say this. We each have a responsibility to walk with God mm. personally. Right, we each have a personal responsibility to uh, to the to the gospel, um, to the truths of the Bible. At at the end of our life, when we die and we go to the judgment seat, right, we're not going to be able to say um, I had a I had a bad pastor who didn't teach me mm. truth the way that it should. He was a bad communicator, so that's why I couldn't understand and walk with God. Like that's you know, it's my parents' fault. They they just didn't live out the gospel. They didn't live out Christianity. So that's why I wound up being selfish and and, and a brat and live for myself the rest of my life. Like mm-hmm. that will not fly, because we each have a responsibility um, to walking with God, right. and and that's ultimately the deal. And so I mean. Satan himself had the best pastor in all of existence. (laughs) I mean, capital P, pastor. And what did he do? Right? So he fell. And so um, it's, it it just, you know, I think that, I think we should be careful uh, to blame shift. Right. And we should be careful, um, uh, basically, to put the, put the weight of responsibility on myself. Mm. This is on me. I think that's another um, mark of our generation we see um, victimhood. Mm. We see everyone claiming the role of the victim. No personal everything, responsibility. Yeah. Everything out. Everything that has happened to me is someone else's fault. Yeah. I was hurt by the church as a child. Um, yeah. My parents should have taught me this, or my parents mm. should have done this or this, or my friends didn't do this, or all of these things where we find excuses. Yes. And that's because we have so much pride and because we think that we're doing everything ourselves. That's we right. think we can do everything ourselves. And when we can't, mm-hmm. we blame someone else. We're yes. the victim. We just have to mm-hmm. figure out a way to shift the blame. Yes. And I think why we're shifting the blame, and this is why I would shift the blame, hmm. is because I have something in my life that I'm doing that I know I shouldn't. Mm. I'm guilty. And, and the Bible calls it sin. Mm. And I have a knowledge of what's right, and I'm choosing to do what's wrong. The things we hate the most in ourselves yes. or in others are what 
we hate the most in ourselves. Yes, yes. And we, we, we look at, basically what we're saying is, um, I don't want the responsibility. I'm going to find any exit, any way out from under this weight, this guilt, right? This knowledge, this responsibility I have that's making me guilty for choosing to live a selfish life. Oh, so I'm just going to blame it on my parents. It's my parents' fault. If my father wouldn't have left me, then I wouldn't be acting the way I'm acting. Yeah. See, that that stems from an, an, an unwillingness to take responsibility for your own choices. And, and nobody's holding a gun to your head, right, to make you act that way, to be as mean and selfish and ugly as you are. And so we have this, we have this maxim, right, that intellectual deception follows moral rejection. Mm. Intellectual deception follows moral rejection. And people are deceived. They intellectually are deceived. They believe the craziest things, right? And they fall into the, 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 the craziest things. Right. First, because they have they, their sin in their life. They're rejecting the moral responsibility, the moral, the innate. The, the Bible says in Romans 1 that God has written the law on our hearts, Right, and so we have responsibility to that that conscience. Right, we call it mm. the conscience. But there's a law that's written on your heart, and you and I are responsible to 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 following that. And whenever we reject that, whenever we begin to sin, we the the, the basically the logical ramifications of that is an intellectual deception. We have to somehow mm. create a mental framework for ourselves to justify the actions that I have, mm. the way I'm living. That's good. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, yeah, moral rejection or intellectual deception follows moral rejection. Because that's almost what I want to do. I want to put, like, something that I've never really done before is just put the nail right like put the pin right on the mm-hmm. spot mm-hmm. or the nail, hit the nail right on the head and mm-hmm. what what is happening in the human condition mm-hmm. that is causing us to not see the truth? Mm-hmm. And uh, f- biblically, and what we've discovered in this conversation, it's not because we don't know it, mm-hmm. but we're actively creating blankets of or veils over the truth in order to maintain this sim- maybe maybe in our head simpler or simpler or more mm-hmm. uh, yeah enticing reality like yeah. is it th- what is it that makes us reject the truth yeah yeah you know yeah yeah it's selfishness it's it's an unwillingness to 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 be ruled by someone else mm. right and again this is okay so this is really fun um the Ten Commandments, right? Um, another book by Schaefer, True Spirituality. This would be an incredible mm. book for, for for Christians that don't feel like they necessarily need um, an answer to why we believe what we believe, right? Or why right. there's, you know, why, why is there a relativistic form of thinking or whatever. You, you can go to True Spirituality, mm. and it is, um, it's, it's Schaefer's, basically, yeah. his, 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 his theology on... Yeah. You know, God. And I think if we listen to anything Paul the Apostle has ever said, yeah. then we have to listen to him saying, always give an account for why you believe why what you believe. believe. Yes. Like, uh, this seems 
pretty uh, straightforward. Yeah. It's yeah. like know why you believe what you believe yes. because if you don't, then how are you going to tell anybody else? It's like, yeah. oh, so why do you believe that? Uh, well, do you know? I don't know. <laughs> right, right, right. And you have to work it out. You have yeah. to work it out. And if you and don't work yeah. it out yourself, um, you're going to leave it. If you don't think right. deeply – if you don't have an answer for why you believe, the world will give you another answer, mm-hmm. right? So basically, the world has uh, its own agenda for you, and the devil has his own agenda for you. And if you don't get a hold of God's agenda, and you don't really understand why you believe what you believe, and you don't begin to fight and wrestle and prove your and, – and what does the Bible say? Um, uh, uh, study the scriptures so that you show mm-hmm. yourself approved. Like you have to do that. You have to work that out. And so I think the reason, again, is we don't want to be we don't want to be ruled by anyone. We really want to be God. Right. And I think what and, and it goes back to the Ten Commandments. It goes back to Genesis. It goes back to Genesis. <laughs> and, 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 and God, God says these are the, these are the Ten Commandments. Right. Which you would say is a simple you. It's this. These are rules for relationship. Eli right. taught me this years ago. Our pastor. It's a it's a covenantal law. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 the same thing you do with your wife on your wedding day. Yes. Which is, hey, these are my vows to you, and it's not that right. If, that's good. It's not that if one of these are broken that we're getting a divorce. It's hey, this is the best way that you can love me and I can love you and we can be together and be yes and and enjoy the time we are together or. Not necessarily using that word enjoy, but we can coexist together yes. through following these principles. Right, right. And it's and so it's not like when we break a law, God's like, Oh, well, give up on him. It's it's mm. it hurts his heart. It is. You're not That's exactly yeah. right. We say that. That's you know, when you break a law, you break a heart. Mm. And that it's because the lens that we look through, Bailey, and I think this is why I love you so much, <laughs> is that you you don't look at Christianity and the Bible as just religion or a system of rules mm. to kind of better your life it's a relationship with a god who's there mm. there's a real god in heaven he's a personality he has feelings he can think i love it so much because i understand yes that this is reality yes and if i want any substance out of life i have to see reality for what it is and understand right. it for what it is and seek more of that truth yes because if if we're not, it's like the the crazy thing about truth, which is so much different than subjective deception, right? Mm-hmm. Or subjective understanding is when you have this thing called truth, mm. there's there's anything but it is deception. Yeah, yeah. Which is so crazy because yeah, if, that's, that's right. If you see that there is truth, and then you're like, you know, I I know that that's true, but I'm gonna choose this other thing. You have to understand what you're choosing is less than anything that you could possibly have. Yes, on the other other side, self deception. Yeah, it's definitely self. It's taking the crumbs. It's literally it's yeah. taking the crumbs because they're there. Right, right, right. And so, I like how you said it. But when but when you get to know God, mm. you get to know the author of reality. Mm. I mean, He did create this world, <laughs> sure. and He says the way things are. He said, this is the way things are. Whether you like it or not, whether you want to just believe something is is something else or have some other reality you want to create for yourself, you can really mean it. I really, really believe that I'm a pink polka-dotted elephant. Like, whatever. <laughs> I mean, and I really mean it. You can really be sincere about it. Yeah. Is that true? 
Yeah. No, it yeah, is yeah. not true. God says this is the way things are. So I believe that Christians ought to be the most real people in all the world. Again, simply because we know God, who is mm. capital R reality. Well, and I think that's probably the importance of truly diving into the mm. scriptures and mm. seeking out that own understanding, placing that mm. ability to articulate why you believe what you believe into mm. your heart mm. is is because oh, I lost my train of thought. What was I going to? Do you know where I was going? Well, yeah, taking <laughs> truth and, and making that your 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 paradigm. Making that the reality you live in, appropriating the Bible truth is so absolutely important because it, it's contrary. Again, we've been so influenced by the world around us, by secular me, uh, mediums, that um, we have created for ourselves a reality that is anti-God, that is, is mm. against the Bible. And so when we get saved, the Bible says we've been transformed. That's that term metanoia. No longer conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you, in a, in a literal way, you mm. are a born-again new creation, mm. and you begin to think differently. Mm. You begin to act differently because your entire reality has been shifted according to what God says reality is. Mm. And so that's, man, we got to know our Bible. We got to know God. And when we do, you're going to be the most real person. Right. The most lovable person, in a sense, unless you're anti-truth. And I know a lot mm. of people who, who, who may not like us, mm. but it's because they don't love truth. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. and I'm not coming off that. And yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. if you love truth and you love God, we're probably going to get along. Well, and that's what I'm talking about. It's I think so many times Christians get a bad rap, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, is that person actually a Christian? Is because mm-hmm. they haven't dove in and settled these things out for themselves. Yes, and so they're not the realest people. No, because they ha- don't have realness in. Like if we're using this term, they don't. They're not real inside. No, they're not. Because if you still have a different worldview contrary to what the biblical authors are presenting mm-hmm. and you label yourself as Christian, mm-hmm. you are in two, you're you're being split in half, mm. which is so damaging because not not really even like it's damaging to yourself, but mm-hmm. it's damaging to everybody around yes. you because you claim this thing and you say, well, yes, Jesus is the Savior. Like, Jesus saved. I'm saved. I'm right. saved by Jesus. It's like, why are you saved by Jesus? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> right. I have no idea. I don't really understand. Or And it says that my people will perish for lack of understanding. Yeah. And this is something that I think is so passed over in the church today mm-hmm. or in, in, in the church as in the people mm-hmm. is the importance of understanding what it is to be a Christian, what it mm-hmm. is to know God, what it is to follow him mm. and what it is to have that paradigm shifting, mm. uh, uh, encounter or moment mm-hmm. where you become addicted to understanding reality for what it yes, is. Yes. You're you know? hungry for it. You're <laughs> yeah. hungry for it. And that's natural. Mm. That is just natural to ask. Uh, and I would say that's rational. Mm. It is natural and rational for a man to say why are things the way they are Mm. and um, I want to understand I want to know I want to grow in knowledge in truth and so that is as natural as a child that 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 cries for food right and so it is Mm. as natural for a human to say I want to know 
Uh, I want to know about reality. And ultimately, again, what they're saying is I want to know the God that created me. Mm. And so they may, again, they may not give it those words, but intuitively they're saying, that's there. why is it this way? And so that's how C.S. Lewis says it. He's like, you know, the, the fact that a child cries when he's hungry points to what? There, there's food. There's food. There's an existence. Food exists. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> so you and I are crying out for some good answer. So there has to be the, the great answer giver. Right? right. And so, um, it, yeah, it's it's pretty logical when you look at it sure. that way. I think the the person who articulated this best mm-hmm. that I that I've ever seen is Ravi Zacharias. Yeah, he articulated the rationality of believing that a God exists. Yes, and more specifically, that Jesus, the Christian God, mm-hmm. the the God of Israel, is the God that exists. Yes. And the way that he did it was with such elegance. And I remember this this one quote has really stuck with me most of all, which is he was talking to the, a Nobel Prize winning physicist, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, one that you know has has done incredible things and very respected in academia. Yeah. And he was talking about the exactitude Mm -hmm. required for not man an intelligent being to emerge from a uh from nature Mm -hmm. but for the earth to even exist in the form it exists today in this ability for life to even happen whether that's life on the smallest form or the largest form is the exactitude required was like it it was like shooting a target a hundred billion light years away Mm -hmm. and hitting it spot on yeah to me the question i had after that okay i was like that how does that not convince the atheistic thinker because what is more likely that that randomly just happened yeah or that the reason it happened was precision. There was a d- divine the, intelligent. Yes, there's yeah. an, there's an intelligent mind behind it all, and when I think that's what happens when you study the sciences, mm. right? Well, the science was what is it? Gnosis is knowledge, right? And then science, like with knowledge, I think. And so that's the 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 sciences were created to know the world around it, ultimately to know the God that created it, and so the particulars. That's where the answer is, mm-hmm. is within the particulars. And so you begin to study, and the more minute the study gets, the more detailed we get, we begin to, we ought to ask, again, very rationally, we ought to ask the question, wow, this is incredibly, incredibly detailed, yes. incredibly complex. Yeah. The, 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 the logical answer is to say, man, this is an incredible mind that put this together. Not this was a chance. Yeah. This was, you know, um, uh, time plus matter equals chance. It's not time plus matter equals chance. It's in, it, it's incredibly um, uh, specific. It's yeah. incredibly uh, detailed. It, it is impossible. It's signed. It's signed. It's, signed. it's impossible. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think again, the modern thinker, whoever, you know, the people that that that, that kind of take that view, um, 
it's irrational. Mm. I have the idea right now. I had a friend once and I, I said, man, let me drive you to your house. And he just was like, no, I want to walk. And I'm like, you will take two hours for you to get there. Let me drive you. He goes, I need to walk. I'm late for this thing. And I'm like, wait, what are you like? What's wrong with you? Right? <laughs> like he goes, I can walk through the woods here and then I think I can make it. I'm like, no, I can drive you there much faster than you think you can find your way there. And so I, and I said, bro, you're being irrational. Mm. Right. And that's what's happening to people around us is like you, you, you're trying to get to a point right and you really mean it in your heart to get to a point but the methods that you're using the approach at it it's just irrational mm. it's it's and it's foolish and you're ignoring the very things that are there that uh could show you the truth and so um and it's and for me it, it breaks my heart and i i, I have to say that um it does it, it's it's it, there's pity i have pity and i look at some folks and again we're on campus and I have folks that they say they don't want to talk. They don't want to. They don't want to think about it. And I talked to a guy the other day. He just was not. He just was not interested in hearing um, what we had to say. And there were answers there. And I know that there are good answers. There's freedom in the truth. All of that is there. And I'm looking at this young man, and he. Um, and actually, I'm thinking about another man. He shows up to church, and he has this attitude, and he's like this this isn't like my church back home and these guys are Pentecostal and the worship is different and their hands are raised. And mm. he has this, this attitude. And I'm like looking at him uh, where maybe I would have been tempted to look at him with disdain. Right. But now I'm like, man, I know that attitude and I know where it's going to lead you, bro. And it's going to hurt. And so it's really, it's really sad. So yeah, man, man, <laughs> Dude, this is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Bailey, you're the best, bro. This is incredible. I'm having a good time. I love Me too. I love the 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 questions you're asking and the conversations are like, Woo, all right. Like my brain right now is like it's that fun workout. It's getting stretched and so And and these, you know, I, I don't know why I ever like sometimes I just get so discouraged and I, I guess it's the enemy. Like, hey, walk away from podcast. You're not seeing any fruit from it. You know, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. You're not getting a million views on every oh episode, gosh. you know. Yeah. Which is what we define ourselves at, which is crazy. Yeah. But uh, these are the type of conversations I desire to have. Yeah. Like every, if I could have every conversation like this, I probably would. Yeah. You know, and I know that's not, you know, practical. Yeah, yeah. But, but it would be a rational. lot of fun. Yeah. 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 And uh, that's why we do small group. At least we get it once a week. We can yeah. have these sorts of conversations. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've appreciated this conversation. I mean, is there any like do you, is there like a a way that you can put a bow on everything we said for for the listener, for maybe even the the unbeliever, someone that is you know either a cultural Christian or they're just like struggling with wrapping their head around what it what these things mean. You know, is there any like yeah. a last little bow or message or little nugget that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't want. I would say, for for those that are listening and watching, we we right now need to we need to we need to return to the uh, the biblical definition of repentance, mm. um, and we need to look at repentance as a lifestyle. Um, 
And I know whenever we hear the word repentance, you know, there's all sorts of connotations that are given, but most of the time it's probably negative. Right. Um, but I look at repentance as hope. My friend Daniel taught me that a while back that it, it's hope because there's a chance to change. Mm. You, you're not stuck. You're not hopeless. The way things are now, your depression, um, your thoughts that you have, the, the cage that you have in your mind, um, the habits that you have, the addictions that have are like chains on your soul, chains on your body. Um, it's not hopeless. Mm. You're not stuck. God has offered us a chance to repent. And the word is a hopeful word because that mm. means that you can change. You and can turn you can, to a better thing. And it's all about who you turn to. Mm. And if you'll turn to Jesus, if you'll turn to Jesus and through Christ, you'll find truth. And God will begin to speak to you. Right now, for people, there is there is um, pride and there's sin and there's arrogance that's mm. keeping you from um, coming into the light. And Jesus wants to wants to lead you into the light, and if you'll repent, if you'll if you'll walk away from that arrogance, if you'll walk away from that pride, if you'll if you'll stop fighting against um, um, the, the 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 God that is there, the gospel has been made clear to you. Probably, if you're living in America, mm. the gospel has been played. Jesus is alive, and. Um, and we do that. We do that at salvation, but we do that as a lifestyle. And so, um, if you're confused about life, if you're confused about what's going on right now, um, and you may be a Christian, and you and right. this is this happens obviously, yeah. Christian sin. Okay, um, people, we shouldn't be, but we do. We get selfish and we make stupid choices and we don't live as we should. I'm not saying you have to. I think we all should, right? Um, but. We all need to live a lifestyle of repentance, and basically, in our heart, um, let's be humble and let's let's you know. And in Psalm fifty-one, David says, after uh, he sinned, uh, he had Uriah killed, he slept with Bathsheba, he lied about it, he was a lying murderer um, and an adulterer. Yeah. And he says in Psalm fifty-one, he says, "God, clean me, M- renew a right spirit within me." But before that, he says, "God, it's against you and you alone have I sinned." And so I think the great need today is for us to fall on our knees, Bailey, and say, God, I have sinned, and I've sinned against you. Mm. I've turned my back on you. And you start getting really honest and start saying, and, and don't blame shift. It's not your dad's fault. It's not your mom's fault. It's not your church's fault. All right? You say, God, I have done this. These mm. were my choices, and I'm screwed up right now, and I'm a result of my choices. Nobody mm. else's. And you get honest before God and say, God, I want to repent, and I want to stop living this way, and I desperately need your son Jesus to come and make me whole. And if you'll say you're sorry, um, and you'll, 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 you'll repent unto God, um, and I think within time, and you stay there. You don't hurry through repentance. You stay there, and you stay humble, and you stay broken, you stay low. I think sometimes we, another point, I think we get too quick. We move too quickly through repentance. We right. think, well, I, you know, I had a great worship service. The music was lit. It was my song, you know, and I came to the altar, and I had this big courageous moment, mm-hmm. and I, you know, and no, right? Like, it, it's a process. And so um, I think sometimes um, we, you know, we, we, God, you know, God has feelings, and, yeah. and we hurt him. And just because you prayed a prayer and just because you really even meant it 
and you did this big thing of repentance and confession, it doesn't make, you can't make God forgive you. Yeah. You know, it's not like just because you did that, God has to forgive you. I mean, he says he will, but that, that depends on when that's up to him. Basically when that, when that, when God says, okay, I forgive you. Okay. Like come stand up, son. Let's right. Let's, let's, let's be together again. Like that's, that's God's prerogative. That's on, Mm. that's on him. Our job is to, is to, is to get on our face and to, to be very honest and to repent. So, um, I would say we desperately need that. And, and as a country, as a people, so yeah, yeah. Repentance. Yeah, that is, that is something else. That is something else. It's, I think it's, it really is this, uh, I love what you said about not moving past that too fast because, mm-hmm. you know, my girlfriend Hope was actually, um, she before we met, she was praying for a man, or she has been praying for a man that is full of conviction. Yeah. That is just like, just about convicted from every little thing. Okay. Or by every little thing. Okay. And that's literally who I am. And sometimes I, I, I have to take it off my shoulders. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the times I have to take it off my shoulders and give it to God and mm-hmm. say, Gosh, I, I can't I can't hold myself to this 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 standard, this like mm-hmm. this uh, perfect, you know, mm-hmm. man to, to be perfect all the time. Right, right. And, and and then God will give me the blessings. Yes. And but uh it's this like reverence almost repentance is this reverence for God as a perfect being. It's right. like, like it's, you know, I heard this was described in the book I, I, I'm listening to right now, which is the fear of the Lord is not this like fear because he's going to strike you down. Mm, mm. It's this fear of the fact that he's so perfect and you're looking at him and you're experiencing him. And you're like, Oh, my gosh, I am just, yeah. oh, I'm not worthy. Yes, I'm yeah, not worthy. Yeah. And that's like what that place of repentance is, is, is right. taking true responsibility for the fact that, mm. you know, you're not that great. We're yeah. not that great. No. We're, we're fall. We fall. Yes. We fall and we hurt people. Yeah. And it's like, do we want to continue to hurt people? That's the question. Mm-hmm. And if, and if we do, then, that quick repentance is probably fine. Mm. If we're okay with hurting people the same way we have before, mm. then I think, you know, the worship service, the, you know, the genuineness about changing is fine. But when mm-hmm. it comes next week and you do the same thing mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. it's like we need like to recognize how much we, we need to get on our knees and say, God, yes. I'm just, I am broken. I, I cannot follow you like without your help, without, right. without, without the ability of you giving me this to get on my knees right now. And you're going to love me, yeah. you know, regardless, mm. like you're not going to look at me and say, oh, you're disgusting. But you're going to look mm. at me and say, child, like come here. Like, yes. like I can see, let me heal you up. Mm. Let me, let me take care of you. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. And, and this, it has to be a genuine, it has to be rational. Mm-hmm. That's right. It has to be, I see that there's an issue. Yeah. I recognize there's an issue within me and I, I want, I don't want anything to do with that, mm-hmm. you know? And, and this, and it comes from this place of, gosh, our dad is, is so worthy. Yes. 
of yeah. of that of of that treatment of, right. of that repentance you know mm, that's right that's right yeah he's so wonderful and it and it really my response to god oftentimes is proportional to my understanding of of god mm. right and so if i knew how good god was if i and i knew how innocent he was yeah and so the character of god right mm. aw tozer has this great book the nature and character um the knowledge of the holy uh and it's all every chapter is an attribute of god a characteristic of mm. god and he just after the end of the book you're just like this beautiful like picture uh, this holistic picture, not holistic, but uh, yeah. this this incredible picture of who God is, and then you start to dwell and meditate on this incredible it's, being. You fall in love with Him, and you mm. don't want to break His heart, and you don't want to sin against Him, and you don't want to do anything that would uh, that would hinder your relationship with this incredibly mm. innocent, loving being that was willing to come and die for you, give His mm. life for you. Right, so it really does. A lot of it has to do with our understanding of the God that 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 we worship. It's all this power and glory wrapped up into mm-hmm. this all loving, childlike nature. Yeah. Of, uh, but like simultaneously mixed with yeah the perfect father and perfect m- m- mother personality. And yes. It, it's like. There's never been a man in history that has that amount of power or even near. Right. There's probably never been a man in history that has one one million iota. Yeah, not anywhere close. <laughs> that and it's borrowed. If you had any power, it right? Comes from God, anyways. So. That that could that could hold that in 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 such a a humble, innocent yes being. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's incredible. And I think everything we've talked about just goes back to that. Um, we need to understand God. We need to understand who he is so that we can repent to them, so that we can turn to him, turn from this modern man, turn from this cultural Christianity yes. and the mm. victim and relativistic and yes. subjective morality and all of these things, these big mm-hmm. terms we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, All of those go back to we need God. Yes. And All I, of those go back to we need to understand him and turn to him. Yeah, and I, I want to touch on one thing mm-hmm. that I don't want people to miss, that it really is simple. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we may be talking about abstract philo- philosophical ideas and diving into the finite details that expand, but it, it really is very simple. Mm. And it, it's something, I, I got this from something you just said, which was, my relationship with God or, or, or the, the, the depth in which I, I treat God and understand God and am with God is directly, represent, is directly connected to my understanding of Him. Mm. And it's so funny how Jesus says, if you love me, you will, you will, yeah. you will spend time with me. You will get to know me. Yeah, yeah. You will, if you love me, you'll get yeah. to know me. Yeah. And it's like, those two things are connected and you cannot have one without the no, other. No, yeah. You know, yeah. And, but it is this simple choice to say, you know, I may not know you that well, God. Right. But I'm going to I'm going to get to know you. Yeah. Yeah. One step at a time, one little piece at a time. Yeah, you know, yeah. you may not be having the conversations we're having right yeah, now about yeah. these spiritual realities and truth, but the the thing that I think 
we, we need to leave this conversation with is God wants us to take a step towards him. That's right. One step. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be able to articulate these things right now. Mm-hmm. But that's where God's going to lead you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we came from, we both came from a place of. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Total it's, depravity. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And, and to add to that, we get what we want. Mm. Everyone gets what they want, really. And, you know, we see it with a guy that likes a girl, right? He's If he really likes her, he's going to find a way to impress her, to put himself out there, to pursue her, mm. right? Like, if you really want something, you're going to get it. And to go further, um, uh, what you want wants you, right? If you want money, it's it's there. If you want it bad enough, it'll make itself available. You'll find a way. And so what you want wants you. It's 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 kind of strange, but people always get what they want. Mm. And we or make what time they choose. what they choose. Yeah, and you make time for what you want. I mean, that's and that again, that's the reality of it. And so um so yeah, yeah we if you want to know God, he's there, right? Yeah. And you'll find a way, you know. No matter what. And I think that's exactly what we're talking about. I've been wanting to write this book for a while. Um, I don't know if I possess the attributes to be able to do it yet or I don't know. There's a lot that it takes to be able to put, you know, pen to paper per se or or a keystroke to computer. (laughs) Um, But this idea that our entire life is one Mm. divine choice. Mm. The whole reason we're here is for nothing other than to choose God or to not choose him. Yes. That is the whole reason we're here. Like if you think about it, and I think you and I mm-hmm. have talked about this before, and I, and I ne- never really necessarily articulated this, but if you look at the fall of man, you look at Adam and Eve, and you ask mm-hmm. yourself, why does life have to be this way? Yeah. Like why couldn't we have just been put into paradise? And it's for this fact that this fallen life is the choice that is required for true love to exist. Mm, mm-hmm. So if God just put us in paradise, we had mm-hmm. no choice in the matter. Mm-hmm. But our life is the choice. Right. What we do with this life, mm. how we steward this life, mm-hmm. and what we walk towards in this life yes. will be what we get for eternity forever right like right, that's like it. we have a hundred years max mm. to to walk towards mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. and it is the choice mm-hmm. and, and 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 yeah i think that's the craziest revelation of all yeah yeah that we're, we're not here just for fun we're not yeah. here just for relationship yes there's great glorious things of right now and, yeah. and love and relationship is right. incredible to be enjoyed and yeah and to but yeah to know god and make him known yeah. i mean we are um we're finite images of the infinite god right we're little creatures little, little christ creatures that he wants to to to, to bring glory to himself he yeah. is he has to be the end all he has to be the end all and he's the only one that's able to take that worship. He's the only one able to take the position of God and not let it get to his head <laughs> yeah. and not let it like drive him mad. Like he's the only one powerful enough and he's the only one worthy enough. Um, and so, um, yeah, we, we, we were made for his glory 
And yeah. whenever we get close to Him and, and we follow Christ, we re- that's our purpose. We fall right in line to the purpose mm. that we were created for, being created into this image of God. Like that is yeah. the that's the major overarching narrative. Un- is that unto an end, unto yeah. a goal, mm-hmm. unto a gift. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we get confused a lot of times. We we forget about the day of the Lord. Mm-hmm. We forget about the age to come. It's we forget coming. about the kingdom yeah, on earth. That you is know? also yeah, like it's so important. And because if, if we just see this pursuit, yes, we just see this always being, you know, transformed. What we'd say is the sanctification mm-hmm. process. If the, if mm-hmm. that's all we see, mm-hmm. and we don't articulate and tell people hey the whole reason we're doing this is because there is an end to it yes and it's it's total victory yes it is total restoration yeah it is total destruction of anything we know of as evil Mm. as painful Mm. as uh violating Mm. as uh as embarrassing there is the end to destruction itself to death itself yes we don't have to die no no (laughs) yeah that's right that's right man yeah there's two deaths for the non-believer physical than spiritual Mm. and for us that believe there's there's just the physical death that we all have to pass through but our souls will go on living for eternity and so but we all gotta die we all gotta die so i choose to die now Right to mm-hmm. myself, and that's the thing. I choose to die to myself. I choose to get. I choose to give up my life and what I can get out of this world. Like Paul said, um, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And mm-hmm. the life that which I now live, I live in Christ Jesus, who gave His life for me. And so we live that life. Yeah, we live that Christ life. We give up our life. So that I don't have to die a spiritual death, a second death. That's what it is. But we got to die. We all got to die. <laughs> Jonathan said that last night. <laughs> but it is absolutely true. That's wild. So, That's the choice. Mm-hmm. You want to die now, to or, but you're going to have to. You're going to. You're going to have to die at some point. Mm. But to so. do it now is actually to live. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. To to die is to gain, mm-hmm. which is incredible. As long as we make the choice. Yeah. If we don't make the choice, then the choice is made for us, and it's not the choice we want. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, Dude, Jim, it's, yeah, Jim Elliott said it. It's rad. Is he is he a fool that um, <coughs> is he a fool that gives up what he cannot keep in order to have what he cannot lose? Mm. Right? Is he a fool to give up what he cannot keep to have what he cannot lose? Wow. Yeah, and so. Jim Elliott was that famous missionary that that died in the jungles. Uh, uh, was it South America? Yeah, and it was a lost tribe there, and they flew in and through Gates of Splendor is the name of his book. And there's a there's a full length film, incredible mm. film. I, yeah, and I think that's really the the, the defining word mm-hmm. for how we should be living our lives, especially in 2020. Is mm. is if we've already died. Mm-hmm. Then what are we afraid of? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and so why aren't we moving? Yeah. yeah, you know, this is it's it's like a it's a call to action. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, that's that's yeah. Well, we haven't died. <laughs> I mean, if we had died, we'd be we'd be moving on in Christ. Sure. So right, I don't think that. Uh, yeah, I don't think we actually are living. 
you know, if, if you're not, if you're not, yeah, if you haven't died to self, then you haven't began that, that Christian life. Mm. You just really haven't. Mm. And so you don't believe there's hope, not really in practice. Again, there's that gap between what you know and what you actually practice. And so you're trying to really hold on to this world because that's all there is. Mm. And that's what you really believe. Right. Right. You're still, you're quoting scripture, but in practice, you don't really believe it. Um, and so you really haven't started that Christ life and living in such a way you're like, you know, if I don't get it, then I didn't need it. If I don't have it, then I didn't need to have it. Right. Mm-hmm. I trust God fully. And, you know, I, I'm not living for this world. There's nothing for me here. And uh, and anything I get is just like, man, that's like pudding, dude. That's like that's like the cream on top. Right. Yeah. Like, but I, I'm not living for this place. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, you know, because anything good here is just uh, yeah. it's 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 a little dust from uh, the age to come. Yeah, you know? that's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> it's just falling on us, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Josh, this might have been one of the best conversations I've ever had, bro. Uh, we had, yeah, this was good. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm more hungry for the Lord now. Me too, and and that's what I love about these mm-hmm. conversations is it's like. It may it, it it's Christianity is not boring, mm-hmm. you know. And no, so people are boring. Yeah, <laughs> John Coshell, he said he said God's not boring. You're boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, how about you you pray us out and, and okay. we'll we'll end this thing. You know we're, we're gonna we're gonna go and go and go and go. But yeah. we got to do this again. We should. Yeah, we should. I think Thanks it's for having me, Bailey. Yeah. This has been a it's been a real real pleasure for sure. Yes, enjoyed it. All right, Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit does what it does and does um, the work that only you can do. Some sow, some reap, but it's you that, that, that gives the increase. And so, Lord, would you increase in people's hearts right now um, the words that were spoken, the seeds that were planted. Um, who knows how you'll use this conversation and even Bailey's entire ministry through the podcast. Lord, but we just pray for your hand over his life and Caleb's and over this entire this entire thing, Lord. And so we just ask for um, your presence because um, that's what we need. So we need you at the center of our life. And so, Lord, be with the people that listen and be glorified. Glorify yourself in our lives and uh, speak to hearts as your Holy Spirit does it. Uh, convicts the world of sin and righteousness and the judgment to come. And so, Lord, I pray that while there's time that we wouldn't harden our hearts, um, but that we would see this as a time of mercy and a chance to repent and to believe while there's still still time and while there's still a chance. So, Lord, um, we love you and we thank you. Um, It's your son's name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Thank you guys for watching. We will see you next Tuesday. Later.